the network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. Welcome to XR Star, your monthly podcast where we talk all things extended reality and the metaverse. I'm your host, futurist Amelia Kalman. This month, we are talking about monetization in the metaverse. In preparing for this episode, I couldn't help but think back to the beginning of the internet and how people back then were just starting to begin to open their eyes to new revenue opportunities that the internet could bring. For instance, e-commerce or paywalls and, of course, advertising. In 1994, when people were still using dial-up, things like apps, subscription streaming services, and sites like OnlyFans and Patreon were still unimaginable. I feel like we're in a similar place now with Web3 and the metaverse where we are only just starting to grasp the potential for not only the emergence of new revenue streams, but also whole new economies. We're seeing the rise of decentralized autonomous organizations known as DAOs, which is a group of people who come together online without a central leader or a company dictating any decisions. Built on a blockchain using smart contracts, members often buy their way in by purchasing a governance token that gives them voting rights around how the pooled money is spent and managed. Uh, DAOs are being used to fund projects like albums and films, issue grants, and buy real estate and more. Speaking of real estate... Hotel developer Citizen M is building a hotel in the metaverse by creating their own DAO. Set in the sandbox, they are acquiring a land site or a digital piece of real estate backed by NFTs on which they plan to build a virtual hotel where avatars can work, sleep, and play. They will finance the construction through the sale of 2,000 tiered NFTs that are attached to a rewards, rewards redeemable in their real-world locations. And then there's the influence of the gaming economy going mainstream as companies like Gucci, Spotify, Nike, and Forever 21 create brand towns on sites like Roblox, where new models let creators get paid for playing and developing within their worlds. My guest today is a pioneer when it comes to monetizing the metaverse. Samuel Huber is the CEO and co-founder of Admix, the first in-play monetization platform for gaming and the metaverse. Admix is building crucial infrastructure for creators to monetize their content, automate ads, and get them to the right user in the right game at the right time using data. They've raised $37 million from top VCs and have helped over 300 game developers to monetize. I'm so excited to speak to you today. Welcome, Sam. Hey, Amelia. Great to be here. Super excited to talk about monetizing the metaverse. Yeah, thank you. So before we jump into things, do you mind just giving us a bit about your background and how Admix came to be? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we've been we've been going on for 
four years now, but the idea is even older than this. Um, after a, a quick stint as an engineer, which was my, uh, you know, what I studied, I um, decided to go out on my own and, and creating a mobile game studio. And that was back in 2014, 2015, um, building apps for the app store at the moment where, you know, the, the smartphone re was really kicking off and it was kind of easier to get to get found in the in the app store. So we had some success there building mini games. Um, but I remember also using that period to really learn about how the, what are the business models for this new type of content. And it always felt that the advertising business model, which, you know, most uh, mobile games were using was really built backwards. Terrible, terrible experience for the users. You know, those videos that uh, take over the entire screen that interrupt the game. And um, I just started to have the idea that if we could create a better model where brands and content could fit together in a more, much more native way, this would just be a better model for everyone, for the users, for the developers, and for the brands as well. So we had the idea to build a marketplace um, to help basically brands enter games through non-intrusive formats like product placements. So we built tools for content creators to, um, through Unity or Unreal, the game engines that they use to build the game in the first place, they can identify areas in the game that they want to sell. So it could be a billboard around a stadium or the shirt of a player or, you know, taking over a big video on top of a building. And on the other side, we have tools for brands to select the, the audience that they want, the type of game that they want, and place their ads or product within those defined spaces. So really selling almost real estate in digital world, uh, even you know four years ago. And obviously at the time, brands were not really looking at gaming as a, a media channel. They, they thought, you know, people are playing games. This is great. What does it have to do with, with me as a brand? But we really start to make this idea that because the audience is there and you know you have two billion people playing games every single day this is a channel that brands should consider to reach their audience just like they are using social media or you know search um they should consider gaming so we really helped not just us we have you know the other people in the space as well but we really over the past couple of years been pushing that idea that gaming was more than games but also a media channel um, and as you said, you know, we, we had a lot of success. We grew to a team of about 100 people, um, you know, uh, 600 games now, including big game developers like Gameloft and Supersonic and others are using our solution to generate more revenue. And then brands like Coca-Cola, McDonald's, uh, Calvin Klein, Facebook Gaming, I mean, pretty much all the top advertisers have advertised with us and now understand the power of gaming as a channel. But what's really interesting is a, a big shift happened over the past year but it's accelerating and mainly over the past six months where every single brand that we work with that trusts us already to bring them into this new environment started to think about the metaverse can you help us get into the metaverse you know can you get us in the sandbox and the central land and can we do nfts and they really see that as the next step after games and what's really exciting is that it's not just about ads anymore but in the metaverse the open metaverse you can build an experience from scratch so you don't just advertise on a stadium. You can build your own stadium at your own brand colors. And so this is when we started to create a new offering to help brands get into the metaverse. And, uh, and this is now becoming a, a really large part of our business. 
That's so exciting. And you mentioned a couple of the brands you've worked with. Can you talk a bit about what a typical client is like for AdMix and like how you would work together? What does that look like? So if we talk about the, pre- the legacy model, which is just ads, product placement, um, this was very much a media model. So we were working directly with media agencies and brands who had an advertising budget. And instead of purely deploying it on search or social media, a portion of that would go towards gaming through the non-intrusive format that I mentioned. So that was quite a simple you know, Web2 proven model. The metaverse, it's, it's different because of the creative element. Um, so now we deal with generally people higher up, you know, from CMOs to VP of marketing. Sometimes they're creative agencies as well to really understand how do we tackle this new platform? Um, you know, we see the metaverse as a, a new social media channel or a new generation of social media almost, right? It's a, it's a new way to reach your customers. You're not just talking with text and pictures, but you get to build an immersive experience. So it's a 3D social media channel. And uh, because of that, you know, the, the execution can really range from anything from um, taking over uh, someone else's experience with billboards in 3D, all the way into building your own experience, which could be a concert hall and then throw an event there and bring influencers to promote it. So it's, it's almost, you know, experiential marketing in a digital world. Um, and so, yeah, the experience can be very varied and we have the team that is able to brainstorm with them, understand what those guys need and try to come up with something that makes sense with, for the brand and is very unique. And I think that's one of the most exciting things about the metaverse is because we're not constrained by things like material or availability of the right architect or the right construction company. Uh, You know, you can have buildings floating in space. You can have games emerge out of walls. I think the creative possibilities are really endless. And that must be really exciting to be on the cutting edge of that, working with brands to kind of see how creative you can possibly be. It's so exciting. Um, especially when, you know, we compare that with the uh, in-game business, which I love. It's a great business, but, you know, you have defined set of ads, right? Defi- you know, you have an ad that is a long ad like this, which is called a billboard, or you have a squared. So it was very limited in terms of creativity. And you could just take the assets and it was more about the delivery and making that efficient and measurable. And now, as you said, you know, we get to create the experiences from scratch. So every new project that we do is almost its own little business. And in fact, we're saying that what we do is not just help brands in the metaverse, but we build businesses in the metaverse because, you know, we could build a casino in the metaverse, for example, or a a shop where we would sell something or delivery mechanism or, you know, use NFTs to do tickets for an event. So there's different revenue streams as well. It's not just the brands paying for it, but users can, you know, input and and spend money as well and um, uh, building an exciting business in the metaverse. So it's it's definitely exciting and it takes uh, more resources to get, you know, all of that done. But I think, you know, just like Every brand is now on social media. In the next couple of years, every brand is going to have some kind of presence in the metaverse as well. Absolutely. And you mentioned the open metaverse. And I think this is a concept when it comes to 
the idea of decentralization, open metaverse that people are still trying to wrap their heads around a bit. Um, and you're really great. I, I love your social media presence at explaining things in a way that people can understand. So just for our listeners who might not be familiar with the idea of an open metaverse or decentralization of Web3, can you explain that a little bit? You know, we see the metaverse. The our definition of the metaverse is a is a digital universe. So it's it's all the games, basically, or all the virtual experiences. If you, you know, they're all different worlds, and if you put all these worlds together, then you have a universe, and it's a digital universe that we call the metaverse. But then there's a big divide within that universe between centralized or Web two and decentralized and Web three or Web three. And the main difference there is really the it comes down to the the ownership um, of of the content itself. So on one side you have the Web two platform like Roblox or Fortnite or Meta. Um, those platforms basically are either building the content themselves, so they they own the game, they build the game, and they control everything, or they leave others to build, but they still control the business models. That's the case with Roblox, for example. Okay. Um, and it means that you know the the users are basically renting in a way like you can still build your experience on Roblox but then Roblox decide how you make money when you make money and so on. If you go to decentralized platforms, decentralized basically means that their infrastructure is built on the blockchain uh which is, you know, a, a kind of an embedded payment mechanism within this new phase of the internet. Um and with that, you know, the blockchain also powers NFTs which are ways to authenticate digital items. And basically, it just creates a completely different infrastructure with more layers where um, you know, end users end up having ownership of those digital assets. So in the open metaverse, generally, there's a concept of virtual land. So you get to buy a portion of the map of the game, on top of which, once you own this item, which is an NFT, you get to control the business model on that land. So if you wanted to run ads, for example, you would capture the revenue from that. Uh, if you wanted to sell other NFTs on top of it, you would also capture the revenue from that. There's generally a small fee from the platform, but it's we're talking a couple percent as opposed to Roblox taking 70% or Meta taking you know 47 or 50%. So the power is, is definitely in favor of the creators um, because the platform are making money in a different way, which is by selling this land in the first place. So for us, you know, we, we see that as a completely new model that decentralizes the ownership of virtual item and the ownership of, of this metaverse, which creates more opportunities for companies like us, but also um, creators to, to make money because the value does not aggregate at the platform anymore. It, it aggregates on the creative layer. So uh, it just creates, you know, very exciting opportunities to build a digital economy in a different way. And that's basically what the mission of our company is. Yes, that's really exciting. And thank you for explaining that in such a clear way. Um, you're really great at doing that. Um, we mentioned NFTs. And one thing that I know we agree on is the, the importance of utility NFTs, this idea that an NFT has value that is transferable, perhaps in the real world, or it or it has added value. It's not just kind of a a picture of a bored ape that you use on your Twitter handle, for instance. Um, so wondering if you... I'm guilty of that. <laughs> if you can touch on um, this, what NFTs kind of mean to you and your business model, as well as the fluctuating NFT market and its future. 
Yeah, um, I think there's you know multiple things that create value for uh, generally for NFTs. Um, there is an element of scarcity, the fact that you know you have a, a limited amount of of NFTs that contributes to make it valuable because there is then speculation that um, you know someone else will will want to buy that NFT at more value that you bought it in the first place. So that's definitely important. There's an element of reputation as well. So if your NFT was owned or created by someone famous, that would immediately assign more value to it. We've we've seen, you know, Snoop Dogg uh, NFTs or even Elon Musk uh, created an NFT of a song that he then removed from his Twitter. But that thing was inherently valuable because of the reputation and where it came from. Um, you have an element of liquidity as well, which is that if it's easily tradable, they know that that creates value. And then the missing element, as you as you identify, is really the utility. Is why what can you do with this? What you know what what value does this thing provide? And I think in the first phase of the NFTs last year, the utility was really the missing layer. Um, there were a lot of hype and you know obviously a lot of speculation around a board ape being worth more tomorrow than it is today, um, which doesn't mean that it's not real, right? There's, you know, there's collectible cards like baseball cards that are worth millions of dollars. And it's just because there's very few of them and there's demand for it. So this is still valuable. But if you go beyond just the collectibles and you're trying to create actual value, then, then you need utility. And I think virtual land is an NFT that has that utility. Because once you own land in one of those metaverses, um, it basically means that you own a part of the map. And on top of that, you can build whatever you want and you control the business model on top of that land as well. So it's not just collecting the land and hoping someone else buys it. By buying that land, just like you would buy land in central New York or London, you can build a business on top of it. You can then you know, build a, a building and rent it or sell it for more money. Like You have all these kind of options that arise and I think um, you know that's why we are so bullish on on virtual real estate as an NFT that actually provides real utility. Yes, I love that. Um, Kevin McCoy, who's the digital artist who minted the very first NFT ever, has recently shared his thoughts that the metaverse is going to be powered by gaming engines. Do you agree with him? And if so, what do you think that means for companies like Meta and Google? Yeah, I mean, 100% agree. You know, Sandbox, Decentraland, they're all based on Unity, um, Somnium Space as well. And there's a few up-and-coming metaverses that are built on Unreal. I mean, you know, I think the the press uh, is making this metaverse like a, a completely new thing. You know, it's a, we talk about it as the, a new phase of the internet, which is true to some extent, but it's also a game, right? Like, at the end of the day, it's it's a multiplayer game that has a backend pegged on the blockchain. So it enables those kind of transaction ownership of NFTs. But it's a game. And that's actually what we tell to our brands and, and clients who are sometimes a little bit, um, you know, almost afraid of getting into the metaverse because it sounds like this completely new thing, completely new technology. It's not that new, right? The, the use case of the metaverse is the fact that people like to engage in digital environments and like to spend money on digital items which has been proven for the last 20 years in the world of gaming. 
And gaming is a 200 billion economy when it comes to virtual items. So there's no doubt that, you know, the, the product market fit is there when it comes to users. They just need a reason to get into the metaverse. And generally, that's an exciting, engaging experience. So, yeah, absolutely. I think the, you know, the new browser is basically game engines. Uh, if we consider the metaverse to be a 3D version of the internet, then the the way that we are creating those experiences changing from you know pure HTML to to game engine driven um, models, and and I think that's why you know Unity, Unreal are going to be powering the metaverse. Um, this are going to be you know more and more important, and um, I think you know Meta and Google. I mean, we know that Facebook had the idea to acquire Unity back in 2014, which would have been a great acquisition, um, pretty much guaranteed that they are working on their own game engine. I mean, they have the hardware with, um, you know, X Oculus, obviously that's their big play. Um, why would they rely on the third party engine? So pretty much guaranteed that in the background, they are working on a game engine to actually build the future of the internet. And Google is probably in the same boat as well. Yeah. I've had a lot of friends who've recently been acquired by Meta, and I wouldn't doubt that that is the direction that they're going in. Um, going on with that, the influence of gaming on the metaverse is going to change the relationship or, well, let me rephrase that. So I think using gaming as an example, when it comes to the metaverse, I see a change happening when it comes to the relationship between brands and their customers and wondering what your insight is on what that change might look like. I mean, yeah, I think gaming is, is the kind of ultimate, more exciting, more engaging medium that you could think of, right? It's, uh, it's better than text It's better than a picture It's better than a video. It's literally being in the action and being able to control things in 3d. So it's, it's the closest medium we have from actual reality. And so if you think that the metaverse is basically built on top of that and brands and IP and celebrities and influencers will be able to tell stories leveraging the power of gaming, that's you know the ultimate way that I can think of to create amazing awareness, to create great recall, because the more engaging, the more exciting an experience is, the more likely you, you, you have to remember it. And also to sell items and you know things so to me it's just a natural evolution of storytelling and and you know the, the medium that we use to tell stories and to um to create content so i think that's that's why the metaverse is so exciting it's because it just gives us new tools to tell stories in different ways and um you know go all the way into the funnel from awareness of what a product or service may be all the way into actually purchasing it and wearing it on top of your avatar. Um, so it creates those new new ways, new avenues for brands to express themselves and tell stories that you know the, the current channels do not allow. That's such a good point, that that idea of the kind of supply chain from you know end to end being available on the metaverse from the first attraction all the way through the point of sale. Um, that's a really good point. What do you think the biggest misconception is about Web3 and the metaverse today? I mean, I think one of them is that it's, it's what I was saying earlier, that it's it's this completely new thing. And again, it is, I, I, I do believe that, you know, blockchain and Web3 is revolutionary from an economic standpoint, the the new digital economy that it creates. Absolutely, that's, that's completely different. You know, it gives 
more power and more ownership to the creators as opposed to the platforms and really shift the resources. So that's, that's revolutionary. But from a user experience standpoint, the metaverse is a game. And so, you know, that's, I think, the biggest misconception that a lot of people that want to get into it feel a bit paralyzed almost because they don't know how to approach it. Whereas, you know, the use case of people playing games and evolving in digital environment and spending money there, that's not new. That's been going on since, you know, the late 90s. So I think there's there's something there. Um, and then I think the other um, other misconception as well um, it's probably about the current capabilities of the platforms. So we talk to a lot of brands that get super excited because they understand the concept. And so they want to do, uh, you know, a concert with a million people and they imagine it to be like this amazing, you know, experience like in Ready Player One, whereas in reality, what you can do today is a lot more limited. So it kind of goes both ways, like either the brand does not understand it at all or they think that the capabilities of the technology is maybe what it would be in like three or four years time. And so, you know, recalibrating the, the expectations, what's possible today. And even though the experience might not be what they expect, it's still really worth jumping in today because we know that, you know, being early is always good. Early yes. companies in social media are some of the biggest companies of today. And so jumping on the trend, learning, um, you know, experimenting, being ahead of the competition, is uh, is basically what you know what the reason why brands should be in today and what's your top advice for brands looking to get into the metaverse and monetize just do it you know it's uh, it's a uh, it's a moment where it's a lot about education and understanding i think the best way to understand something is to participate in it um so all of a lot of what we do right now is to de-risk the entry point for brands to be a part of of this new channel. For example, you know we own a lot of land um, which we rent to brands for for fiat for dollars or pounds, so that they don't have to buy an expensive NFT to get started. Right? They can just rent it from us. It's part of the contract. They don't they, they don't need to be an owner. They need, they can rent it. They don't need to buy crypto, which is also a big barrier for those brands. A lot of them. So, you know, this is just one example of how we try to make it simple, remove all the barriers to entry so that brands at least get to get to explore and get to try. But I think the other thing is we also reject a lot of brands that we talk to because you don't necessarily need to be in the metaverse, right? It's It, it shouldn't be that, you know, you, you have to do it at all costs. It's, it's the same as, you know, should you be on Twitter? Should you be on Instagram? Should you be on TikTok? Like, it's not relevant for every brand. It depends on the audience that you're trying to reach and the brand image and, you know, the tools that those platforms give you to express yourself. So if you are a very visual brand, then probably Instagram makes sense. But, you know, Twitter might not. And so the Sandbox and Decentraland and Roblox, these are just new channels for brands to reach their audience. And so it shouldn't be that they want to be there at all costs, but it should be something that serves a broader strategy. And that's generally how we try to flip the conversation in the first calls we have with the brands is, you know, why, why do you want to be there? What are you trying to achieve? Is your audience there? Are you trying to be relevant in this new phase of the internet? Are you trying to get PR? Which, by the way, is also a valid reason, but they need to know why they want to be there in the first place to do it for the right reasons. 
Absolutely. And being aware of your audience and the audience that are already in these spaces using it, I think is a really good point um, because you're not going to reach everybody of all age and demographics in these spaces at the moment. So if you can be really targeted and know who you want and that's your audience, it's a great opportunity. And I think you're right. The people who get in there um, soon are going to have an advantage. So who are you watching in this space? Are there any engines, brands, hardware companies that you have your eye on that you think might take the lead? Um, so, you know, as a, as a landowner, we, we definitely made a bet on some of the biggest platforms right now. Um, we, we don't buy land just for passive investment, but we buy land because we know that brands are going to build projects on top of the land and help us monetize it. So it's a very different approach. For that reason, you know, we've been pretty bullish on Sandbox, Decentraland, Somnium Space. These are the top three platforms where brands actually want to be there. Um, but, you know, we the way that I see it, we are probably around the MySpace era if we think about social media right now. So those platforms are taking the lead now. They're raising a lot of money. They have users. They have brands. But it doesn't mean that they're going to be the dominant platform in 10 years. And there might be a Facebook or an Instagram equivalent that pops up in a few years. So for us, it's it's really about tracking the market, making you know small investments and buying land and uh, all kinds of um, metaverses at different level to make sure that we don't you know we 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 know how the market evolves and we don't miss any opportunities. Um, so yeah, most of what I'm tracking right now are new new metaverse projects. You know, the other side from. Uh, Yuga Labs obviously is an important one. They're releasing an SDK to build as well, which is very exciting. So we're paying attention to that. And we're just trying to make sure that, um, you know, we stay agnostic to the platforms. We we aim to be the, the biggest builders in the metaverse, regardless of the platforms. And I think just like the social media era, you're going to have a couple of them that dominate, um, but you're also going to have more niche platforms, you know, maybe a music metaverse only for music brands, but they do that better than anyone else, or maybe a sneakers metaverse or whatever. So you, you might have, you know, big platforms that are pretty generic, like a Facebook or an Instagram, but also more smaller, you know, communities that would still be an important place to be for brands. And we want to make sure that um, we, we help brands enter any metaverse that makes sense for them. And when it comes to hardware, um, I think at the moment, the last time I kind of looked at statistics about this, it was about 75% of people enter these 3D spaces through their laptop. And then there's also the mobile yeah. phone. Um, I think headsets are going to, as as hopefully the, we're able to push the processing to the cloud and the headsets, the glasses themselves can get lighter, um, more fashionable, less expensive, all these kind of things, they, they will become more prevalent. What do you see around the timing and the influence of XR headsets on this market? My mind has changed on that quite a bit over the, the past few years. Um, I don't know if you know, but when, when we first met, probably we were really focused on VR, right? Our, our uh, ad yeah. mix as an ad platform was really about monetizing virtual reality and augmented reality content because we felt that no one else was doing that and we wanted to own that category. But it quickly became apparent that the growth of the content there was just not fast enough for us to build a big ad business. And therefore, we expanded into traditional games as well. So I think generally, if you have to rely on hardware, you know, that that becomes the biggest barrier to entry, which is why, you know, 
personally the the meta vision of of building the metaverse which you know zuckerberg always ties to oculus right the vr headset um i think that's going to be i think that's going to be the biggest barrier to entry um and actually i can my prediction is that within the next two years uh, because the numbers are not going to be growing fast enough they're going to release a, a 3d client uh, on on the desktop like a facebook a 3d version of facebook you know and and if they do that they can literally get a billion people into their metaverse within the next couple of months because you know i would check it out if you had a, a gamified version of facebook you can meet your friends you can go to different groups that would be cool you don't need vr to do that i think the hardware is just another window to access the metaverse just like you know your your websites today are responsive you can see the same website on your phone or even on your tv i think it's the same with the metaverse the metaverse also is going to be responsive you're going to be able to see it on, on your mobile maybe like a dumbed down version you can you can see the activity from the top then you can see it on your laptop and the ultimate way of course is going to be vr but i don't think we should wait for the adoption to make it a reality uh, because i think the technology vr is still pretty far away and i even think that you know the form factor is is very important i think for a lot of people this is this feels a little bit um you know alienating it's it's not something that feels very natural currently so i would you know um, my bet is that we the the metaverse is going to be mainly on on desktops for for a long time um and that you know anyone who builds it really should not be relying on on the adoption of vr if they want to make that a, a mainstream product um so yeah we'll we'll see that's my projection that's that's a great point and great prediction. Um, yeah, I really respect your opinions on this. I think you have some great insights. And I wanted to ask you my kind of final big question. I ask this to everyone. It's what is your biggest hope for the future of this industry? And what is your biggest fear? I mean, the biggest hope, you know, for us, the, the reason why we do what we do um, in the first place in the gaming world was was really to to create a new economy within the game. Um, and help creators make money in different ways. And this hasn't changed. We're doing the same thing. We, we're taking that and we're replacing games with metaverse. You know, our, our mission right now is to accelerate the metaverse economy by building technology. So it's building tools to help creators find brands, to help brands find land and to help land landowners monetize better. So bringing all these different stakeholders together and through tools and technology and marketplaces, getting them to transact. But why we do this, is because I really believe that Web3 and decentralization generally has a shot at redistributing digital wealth in a different way. And that, you know, we are going to create millions of jobs in the metaverse. There was an article published about myself as a land landlord in the metaverse. You know, I'm renting some of my land. That's not a business model that existed a couple of years ago, but now you can make money this way. So I think, you know, we're going to see estate agents in the virtual world, like everything that you can do in the physical world is moving online that has been happening for 20 years, but there's still a few things that, you know, the metaverse will enable. So I think because of that, you know, we're going to create a new economy, a new digital economy, which will be more fair, more distributed. And we take the power away from the big corporation and hopefully put more resources in the hands of smaller businesses and creators and so on. Uh, I think obviously it's a bit of a you know utopia because big companies are working on the metaverse, but I think we've never been that close to that shift actually happening. And this is what we're trying to push for every day. So that's my uh, 
that's my big hope. I think it's exciting that we get to change the rules a little bit. You know, the rules have been written in Web2 for a long time and Google, Facebook, you know, I'm in the ad space and those guys, they get 80% of the budget, right? Um, and now Google is taking Facebook's lunch. So it's becoming a, a monopoly, which is crazy. So I think, you know, shifting that is is very exciting and the metaverse is really our, our hope um, to be able to do that properly. So that's the big, uh, that's the big hope. And any fears? Fears, I mean, you know, I'm not, um, there's obviously the fear that, you know, we are going to spend more and more time in a digital environment and we're going to forget about the real world, like, you know, dystopian future, like, like Ready Player One. Um, I don't think that's a legitimate concern. I think that, you know, we would, the, the shift to online is happening anyway, and the tools are just things that we're using, but they're not necessarily you know, forcing or dictating our, our behavior in that sense. So I think uh, I don't I don't see that as a as a major concern. Um, I think there's concern around privacy, of course. Um, you know, if you can already know everything about a, a user on a browser, if we if we put a headset on, or you know, that suddenly you have a lot more data points also. But um, I think you know that's not that's something that will uh, basically sort itself. Um, over time. And I think, you know, the priority right now is to c continue building in the right way and that all the regulation and rules around that generally would, would come later. So it's, you know, it's normal that it's a little bit hectic at the moment because there's no rules yet, right? And uh, it's important to keep building rather than trying to put rules too early, I think. The rules always follow the, the progress, not the other way around. So no major concerns right now, um, but obviously we are watching and making sure that, you know, the industry evolves in the right way. And that's such a great point around really redefining the rules. And we have this opportunity now to really create the future, which I think is a great incentive for people to take an active role in their involvement in the future of the metaverse, in these, in the real estate, in you know what is possible there, and I'm really pleased that there's people like you leading this in the right direction. And um, and so, if there's people out there listening who want to get in touch with you, what's the best way for them to do that? Uh, you can find me on LinkedIn, Sam Huber, um, uh, Twitter as well. But yeah, LinkedIn is probably the best way to to get in touch with me directly. You know, we post a lot of content trying to really educate people about web3 and the metaverse my big you know personal vision is to is to be the ramp between the two right you go to all of these conferences and it's just web3 people talking to each other you know they already know about the metaverse they're already bullish on crypto so it's it's a nice chat but this is not growing the industry right we're at the stage where you know back in 1996 where most people did not believe in the internet. They did not think that they would ever put their credit card details on it. So that's exactly where we are with crypto and with the metaverse. And so, you know, if uh, people listening to this, if even one of them is able to open a crypto wallet or get into the metaverse or find a job or make money in a different way, you know, I think that's that's already something that um, I would be really proud of. So, yeah, we push a lot of content there. So anyone who wants to learn more about the metaverse can just uh, check me out on LinkedIn. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Sam. It's been an absolute pleasure to speak to you today. And thank you all so much for listening. And I will be back with you next month. Take care. Bye.
Oh! <laughs>